So Acts 24 and verse 17. Okay, now after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings. Whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither was multitude, with multitude nor with tumult, who ought to have been here before thee, and object if they had aught against me. Or else let the same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council. Except it be for this one voice, that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called and questioned by you um, this day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word, for the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see your word written pen um, through apostles and prophets who were moved by your Holy Spirit. And we just pray, Lord, that your spirit would work with the message in our heart as we bring application to it. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. And I will be in Philippians shortly. But I um, just want to give a little bit deeper background. I know we've covered the background a little bit about um, when Philippians was written. Um, but for this message, I want to go through some of that again and go in a little bit more detail as well. Um, there's a chain of events that end up leading to Paul's um, imprisonment um, in Rome. <clears throat> he was on his third missionary journey. Um, and, and going to various churches, encouraging them, edifying them, preaching to them, establishing, starting um, local um, churches. And um, on this third missionary journey, though, it's, um, it ended in Jerusalem as he, in the company of other Christians, brought to Jerusalem a contribution for the poor of that region. And he came and wanted to give alms and um, free will offerings to um, help some of the needy in Jerusalem. Now, Paul was happily embraced by the brothers in Jerusalem, but many of the Jews believe he was against the Jewish system, that he was just trying to um, go contrary toward it. And, you know, in chapter 24, where we were just reading, he is testifying to um, what, what kind of was going on. But go ahead and go to chapter 21, and we see when it, ha- when it started to happen. In Acts 21, in verse 27, it says, And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, this is talking about Asia Minor, um, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people, and laid hands on him, crying crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teach of all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple and have polluted this holy place. So here the Jews were upset. The thing they were primarily upset about was that he was preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But they found other things they wanted to bring against him. Um, to say that he's going against the law of Moses. And that he brought, um, um, they saw him with a Gentile, a, a Greek. 
And now the Jews and the Greeks, they were always uh, had animosity for one another. The, the Greek, the Gentiles, were considered unclean people. And um, they despised um, them. And um, originally it was because of their pagan gods, their false gods, but they end up hating them on a personal level where instead of pointing them to the way of the Lord, they completely despise um, them. And we see, though, but the Apostle Paul, he was the Apostle to the Gentiles, and you know what? He led Gentiles to Jesus Christ. He um, pointed them to it. But he, and these Jews saw Paul with him. And they knew Paul had gone to the temple sometime that day, so they falsely accused him of bringing a Greek, a Gentile, into the temple, which was forbidden that they were not to bring a Gentile into the holy temple. And so um, this was a capital offense to bring a Gentile um, to the temple. Can you imagine, you know, bringing someone um, to church here that's of a different race and it ends up being a capital offense, something worth the death penalty. This was racism at its fullest. And then, um, and then also, um, um, they, 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 they were strongly against um, Paul for just fellowship and being with a Gentile. He never brought him into the temple, but they were wanting to get him, get him there and say he did. You know, Paul's life was only saved when Roman officials intervened and took him and brought him to safety. Um, go ahead and turn to chapter 23, and we see that eventually under a heavy guard of 470 tough men, the apostle is taken to Caesarea over on the coast where he was confined in Herod's palace. In verse 23, it says, And he called unto him two centurions, that's a Roman um, soldier leader, um, high up there. He would usually have a hundred soldiers under him. And um, it says, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea and horsemen, threescore and ten, that's 70 horsemen, and spearmen 200 at the third hour of the night, which the third hour in Jewish time would be at 9 o'clock at night. And so we see all of a sudden there's these 470 men that come and are around surrounding the Apostle Paul. This is something big. This is something tragic is going around. You know, I don't know if any of you in here have all of a sudden, you know, you're just out there doing your business and 470 soldiers come around you. Some with spears, some with swords and, and, and horses um, surrounding you. This is a big thing um, going on. And let's read some of the context of why this is taking place. Go back to verse 12. It says, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together, and bound themselves under a curse. I mean, you know what they're making themselves? They're making a vow that they're holding themselves in bondage to. Saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. 
Now therefore ye with the counsel signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow, as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we, or ever he come near, are ready to kill him. And when Paul's sister's son, so Paul's nephew, heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul, Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he have a certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee, who have something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, What is it thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldst bring down Paul tomorrow into the council, as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for they lie in wait for him of them more than forty men, which have bound themselves with an oath, that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him, and now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee." So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, See thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea, and horsemen threescore and ten, and spare men two hundred at the third hour of the night, and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on, bring him safe unto Philip the governor. So here we staff over... Forty men that have bound themselves with an oath that they will not eat and they will not drink. And these people, they take their oaths seriously. If they make an oath, they're going to keep that oath. It was just a plan. And they made an oath that they would not eat or drink until Paul was killed. Until he was dead. This is how much hatred they had for this man. Supposedly only because they thought he brought a Gentile into the temple. They hated this man. That this man with the gospel had turned the world upside down. And um, they were angry against it. So there was this conspiracy to kill him. And so then we see the, the, the Romans end up hearing about this, and they basically arrest him, but are keeping him in safety. But he was also bound. He was um, going to be end up being taken um, to prison so he, until they would hear Paul's defense, his case. Verse 25, it says, And he wrote a letter after this manner, Claudius Lysias, unto the most excellent governor, son of greeting. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. And when I would have known the cause whereof they accused him, I brought him forth into their council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law. But you have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what they had against him. Farewell. 
That's what the letter said. And it says, Then the soldiers, as it was commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. On the morrow they left a horseman to go with him and returned to the castle. Here when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle, the letter, to the governor, presented Paul also before him. And when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what provenance he was. And when he understood that he was of Cilicia, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accuser also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. And what you end up seeing as you read the book of Acts, we see that um, over some period of time, Paul was subjected to a series of interrogations. You know, finally, after two years, you know, he's been in prison after this for two years. Paul is waiting to give his case, to, to um, say what happened and what didn't happen. But Phyllis had not yet taken him to give his speech yet. And, and, and perhaps maybe his accusers had not all come forth yet. Or perhaps Phyllis did not completely want to deal with it. But he's been in prison for two whole years. And it appeared to Paul that justice delayed was justice denied. And Paul concluded that he would never receive a fair hearing under the present circumstances. So exercising his right as a Roman citizen, he appealed his case to Caesar. In chapter 25, go ahead and turn there in verse 11. It says, he says, For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, so now he's not in Philip's hands, but he's in Festus' hands, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shall thou go. And then, so they end up going on this voyage. They end up going on in, in the sea on the ship. You can read in Acts 27. Um, we'll go, Acts, go ahead and go to Acts 27. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but we'll read a couple of verses in verse 18 to 20. But um, we see this is one of the most remarkable accounts of navigation at sea. All the tragedies, the hardships they face while out to sea. And we're just going to cover, read one part of it in verse 18 of chapter 27. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lighted the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, I mean, this was huge, a huge tempest, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. This was a severe storm therein while out to sea, a ship full of prisoners. It was such a storm that even during the daytime, they could not see the sun. At night, they could not see the stars. At one point in this journey, as the ship was breaking down, the soldiers were going to kill all the prisoners so they wouldn't um, possibly escape. But um, then one of the centurions did not want Paul to die, and so for his sake, he said, no, let's not order them to die. You know, everybody that's able to swim, 
you know what, go ahead and swim to the island. And those that can't swim, you know what, stay on the board or something floating in the water. And then maybe you'll eventually be able to get over. And um, we see that Paul ends up giving advice. The first time he gave advice about their navigation, they ignored him. And that's why they're in up in the trouble they're in. But then later, as they're in the trouble, they started to listen to Paul. And Paul started to be respected by them. And we see as they do end up making it to land, and then they do end up taking them to the prison, which Paul ends up spending another two years at. But he had earned enough respect where they allowed him, instead of being in the jailhouse, in the prison, like the common criminal, they allowed him to rent a place and stay there and be bound with a chain and have a, have a guard with him at all times there. And, and he was allowed people to come and visit him. But nevertheless, he is spending another two years in prison. And it is during this time the letter to the Philippians was written. Now, Paul was in bonds. He had gone through many rough trials. He'd had over 40 men conspiring to kill him. Can you imagine that? Someone hated you so much. People made an oath that they wouldn't eat or drink till you were dead. He had people against him. Now, I need a volunteer that's a really good artist. We have anybody that's a really good artist. I know one of the girls back there are a good artist. It looks like it's Sarah. You, you will come on up, Sarah. We, we, we won't make you blush at all. Okay. But um, you need a volunteer. Okay. Got an egg in here. Okay, so here's here's a sharpie marker. Okay, and what you're going to do is you're going to draw something really pretty, as artistic as you can, but you want to be delicate because it is an egg, so you don't want it to break. What do you think you could draw on the egg? Anything? All right. So here you go. Okay. Oh, no. You broke it. I guess I, that's the only egg I had in this bowl. Man. Well, go ahead while I wipe my hand. Go ahead and fix the egg. Put the yolk back in and put the shell back together. Okay? You said you weren't going to make me blush. <laughs> I didn't make you blush. Go ahead. Put it together. Put it together. You, 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 want, you want help with it? Okay. Here, should we have your sister come up and say, come on up, Abby. Come on up here. You, you, you still are. Oh, we're, we're gonna, um, figure, you know what, you're the artist and Abby's the fixer. So, yeah. So you go ahead and put that back together. Okay. So that way she could draw it. Okay, we need we need that egg. Okay, good job. You get the yolk in. Okay. It's not working. 
Do we have anyone else that's a really good fit, sir? Anyone else? All right, go ahead and just both of you go and sit in the front pew, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need at least one of you again shortly. But um, you're supposed to be very delicate. You weren't supposed to make me drop the egg and stuff. But there's the egg right there, and she doesn't want to draw anything pretty on it anymore. I don't know why. But um, let's see. We don't have any more chances to draw on that egg. But you know what? We have one life to live, okay? On this, we, we have our life, and we're going to live it one way or the other. We see Paul had one life to live in this life. And we see people trying to kill him. What if it was a little cool over here? This is nice. Man, I'm so excited about DAC. Um, he had a wreck at sea. Spending nights, days in wreckage. Um, he gets in up thrown in prison. And he's left there for years. Left there for a couple of years. And he's finally, you know what? I want to appeal to Caesar. I want to get this case settled. Then they sent him away. And he's in prison for another um, two years. And we see that he's waiting for opportunity to plead his case. And Paul, no doubt, felt broken at times. Man, he's just trying to live his life, and he's feeling broken. That his life is perhaps being wasted. That man, having men hate him, wanting to kill him, his safety is in prison where conditions aren't good. You know, sometimes things will happen in our life that will also seem to break us. It could, um, hardships that could bring a state of chronic depression. It could be a severe illness, disease. Sometimes it could be a tragic death of a loved one. Someone that we love deeply and they died before their time in our mind. And it could break us. It it, it, it could wound us. It can be something like the loss of a job that could break somebody. They lose their job. They have a family to support. And then they lose their house because they can't make the payments for the house. And they feel broken. Sometimes outward things outside of our control, things we can't do, they break us. Other times it could be inward things that break us, such as a devastating sin that we commit. Oftentimes it will also break the hearts of our friends and family. Something you wish you could change in your past, but it's impossible to go back in time. It is impossible to unbreak A broken egg. There are things that you wish you could do in life over again. But you can't. You can't live that life again. You can't make a different decision back then. Now, you may make a different decision now. You know what? You may overcome it. There may be forgiveness if it was a sin. But you still can't undo what happened. It is 
broken. When an egg is broken, it can't, you cannot unbreak it. You know, things happen in our lives that are like broken eggs. You can't go back. You can't pretend it didn't happen. You can't undo it. And since you can't unbreak it, what can you do? I guess you could just look and go, oh no, the egg is broken. The egg's broken. Why did you break it? You made me do it. Why did you do that? Why can't you fix it? Why can't you fix this egg? It's broken. It's broken. You know, sometimes that's how we could sound. Oh, well, I have this problem. Woe is me. Man, this is what happened to me. Don't you feel sorry for me? My egg is broken. It's broken. And people are like, I know! You've told me so many times! Well, we could do that. That's one thing we could do. We could whine and complain. And sometimes there are things that, you know what? We're, we are broken. We're wounded. And you know what? And there's something you know what? Someone you could go to counsel with or get help with. And you know what? We want to try to be tender with people. We know what? They've had something break them. But you know what? It's not going to help if I just look at that egg and keep saying, it's broken, it's broken, or then start blaming someone else. You, you, you made me do it. Um, you got a little bit nervous, so it made me nervous, and I broke it, and, and you can't fix it. You know what? It's also, it's no use to draw on now. So another thing we could do with the egg, we could throw it away. We could dispose of it. We could get rid of it. But what a waste of an egg. What a waste, what a waste it would be to throw your life away because you've been broken. Whether it's broken from something outside that broke you, or whether it was the sin you committed and, and things have been broken. You know what? You could choose, you know what? I'm just going to throw my life away. But what good is that going to do? It's just going to be a waste if you throw your life away. Or you could simply try to just get by um, in life. Just try to um, get wise. There are a lot of ways we could get by with this broken egg. You know what? Uh, we could it's already kind of scramble. We could scramble it up. Or, you know what? Uh, maybe we could fry it. Or we could bake it. But then it's just like a plain egg. Just a plain old egg. And you know what? Some of you may really like eggs, but man, you know what? No salt, no pepper. You know what? Just an egg. You know what? Sometimes that's what we do when we get broken. We try to just get by. I'm just going to try to make it through another day. But that's still not the best use of your life. It's not the best use of an egg. You could um, end up adding things um, to it. You know what? Hey, Abby and Sarah, go ahead and come on up here again, okay? There you go. One of you take this. Okay. We could, let's see, add some things to it. Go ahead and put the egg in this bowl, okay? Not the shell, no. Okay. All right. All right, it's good. So there you go. You go ahead and take that. You know what? Uh, we could add some flour. Go ahead, come over here. So I don't have to walk as far. I'm getting old. Well, 
You add some flour, some baking soda to it. You know, uh, let's see, what else could we add? You know what, maybe we could add a little bit of sugar to it. Or maybe a lot of sugar <laughs> and stuff. You know what, we get a broken life. You know what, maybe we could add some prayer. Add some thanksgiving, spirit and attitude of thanksgiving. Um, perhaps we could add the word of God to our life. You know, we're broken. You know what, maybe there's things in, in the Word of God that um, we could apply, we can meditate upon. They'll, they'll help us do more than just get by. You know, let's, let's go ahead and add some vanilla. You know what, maybe we could ask for the anointing of the Spirit of God to um, be filled um, with His Spirit, to walk um, daily um, in the Word. You know what, Add a little bit of butter. Yeah. Yeah. Vanilla smells good, huh? You know what? Add a little bit of butter. You know, it looks like you're going to need to start mixing it. You know what? There you go. Go ahead and start stirring it the best you can. You know what? The ingredients may not be all up to par. It's exactly how it's supposed to be. But you know what we really need when we're broken? So we need Jesus. We need Him. You know, people say, oh, Jesus is a crutch to you. You know what? So be it. We need Jesus, and so do they. And so let's add some chocolate chips. Man, there's nothing sweeter than Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what? You, you stir that up. Stir it up good. <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to eat it. Amen. We're going we're gonna to make the best use of that broken egg. Okay. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's put this in the oven, okay? Put it in the oven. And you know what? Sometimes things do take a little time. You know what? We come, we come to Jesus. But you know what? Sometimes it still takes time for healing. And it does take time to bake things. But then eventually comes chocolate chip cookies. All right. You go ahead and eat, have those, and go ahead and sit down there again. I think I might need you again, okay? You know, of a broken egg, we could throw it away, think it's a waste, but then that is wasting it. We could cook a fried egg, just get by, or we could make chocolate chip cookies with it. And you know what? When things in life break us, we could add, put Jesus in. And he makes things a lot sweeter. And you know what? If we've sinned, committed some sin, you know what? Ask for forgiveness. Have Jesus in. We can't redo what we did. We can't change that decision. We can choose not to keep doing that sin. And we know Jesus says, you know, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That we're able to be a new creature in Jesus Christ. That cookie looks a lot different than the broken egg does. And when you add Jesus to the midst of your broken life, it could be changed to be even sweeter than chocolate chip cookies. In Romans 8, verse 28, go ahead and turn there. Romans 8, verse 28. Maybe I'll try a cookie. Mmm, those are good. That's a really good oven. 
probably really would have did it last week without the AC. Romans 8, verse 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Now, a lot of times people will say, you know what? You're having a hard time. All things work better for good. It's not always the case. But it is always the case. All things will work together for good to them who love God. To those who have a relationship with Christ. To, to those that have God in their life or called according to His purpose. That whatever tragedy we may go, something we don't want to relive. But yet we can make the best use of it, of what had happened. How did Paul use his broken egg? No, being in prison, his hardship, being wrecked at sea, being beaten with stripes, um, um, being naked and destitute at times, suffering hunger and thirst, being locked up in prison. Do we see him getting in despair? Did he daily analyze, how could I have done things differently? And perhaps avoided prison. Let's go to Philippians. Philippians, again, he's writing this while he is in prison the second time on this one journey. Chapter 1, in verse 12. Now he has told him that he's been in bonds. He goes, but, chapter 1, verse 12. By what you should understand, brethren. You know what? He wants you to listen. You know what? Understand what I am going to tell you. He says that the things which happened unto me, man, all the tragedies, all the hardships he's gone through, his current hardship, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. And in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Man, here we see him that, yes, he suffered time. He's in prison unjustly. He did not deserve it. But rather than feeling defeated, rather than be a constant complainer, a whiner, or woe is me of how bad he had it, he used his time to make chocolate chip cookies, to make the best use of it. He earned the respect of the leaders, of those that held him in prison. He saved the people on the ship with his guidance. He was thankful himself to be safe. He trusted in God's word that they would be safe. The time in prison, he was thankful it protected him, one, from the killing um, or the killing attempts of the Jews. But we see primary, we see he used this for the furtherance of the gospel. Terrible times. But yet the gospel expanded. In Acts 28, verse 30. Go ahead and turn there. Acts 28. In Acts 28, verse 30. We see, And Paul dwelt 
two whole years in his own hired house and receive all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. His bonds. His bonds for the sake of Christ. Rather than just locking them up in some cell where no one would see them again, had rather fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. He was allowed receivers. Other guards wanted to visit him, talk with him. He got to talk to governors, leaders, talking to Caesars. We see that in Caesar's own household, the gospel was able to make its way. Philip, Festus, King Agrippa, in judgment halls, in Caesar's palace, um, palace, the Jews' conspiracy to kill Paul rather compelled him to reach out to the Gentiles. This arrangement protected Paul, arranged for him to share the gospel with them. In verse 28, it says, It be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. Terrible situation, but making the best use of it. We see he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, this letter to the Philippians while he was in prison. He wrote it, and 2,000 years later, it is still edifying us. Still. Man, he was broken. He was in bonds and broken, but he wasn't bewildered. He wasn't all shaken up. He wasn't all in despair. He made chocolate chip cookies with the life he had. He only had one life. You know what? He could have just said, you know what? It's a waste and just woe is me in prison. But instead, he made the best use of it. No, I do got one more egg. Let's not break this one, though, okay? Where'd the marker go? Okay, you go ahead and... Start drawing on it. You can go in and sit there while you draw something on there. Okay? No, I just want to ask you, how are you using your broken egg? Are you throwing it away? Are you wasting your life? Are you just getting by? Are you just making a boring egg with your life? Is it boring? Right? Just living day to day. Oh, man, I had it so bad. I guess life's never going to get better. Or are you going to make chocolate chip cookies? Make something useful with your broken egg. With the part of your life that's been broken. How do you make something positive come of something tragic in your life? I don't have specific answers for every specific person. You know, there may be some cases where I could give different guidance. But everybody's broken egg is different. And even people that have had the same situations, the same kind of hardship, it still may vary how you use that broken egg. There are too many variables for me to give a clear-cut answer of what to do. It's something you need to seek the Lord on. But I can give you a few principles that can help guide the use of your broken egg. Okay, one, of course, you're adding Jesus. Having Jesus in your life. But with Jesus in your life, choosing to have an attitude of joy 
and thanksgiving. That regardless of what happens, that you are determined, I am going to be joyful because of my place in Christ. Because of my sanctification, my justification, my salvation, I'm going to be joyful and thankful. Paul told the Thessalonians, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So you're broken. You know, you may not be thankful for the particular situation that happened, but you can be thankful for how God will use that for you to make chocolate chip cookies. How you could use that to make something sweet, no matter how devastating it is. Maybe it could be how you will turn someone else's life around. Or maybe you'll be able to show sympathy with someone because you've been through what they've gone through. But keeping that attitude of joy and thanksgiving. Secondly, having contentment. You know, 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, maybe something tragic happens. You lose your job. You lose your house. But understand, you know what? Your joy isn't in earthly possessions. Your joy is in Christ. And with that, you can have an attitude of contentment. You know, though the world take everything away, though I lose everything, if I have Christ, I have everything I need. Having contentment. You're in a situation you don't prefer. You know what? Learn to be content. And it does take learning. You know, Paul said, I have learned whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. Sometimes it takes learning. But let's learn it. Be content. Thirdly, you know what? Sometimes our broken age is caused by someone else. Sarah made me break that egg. It was her fault. Maybe I was a little bit careless on purpose. But overcome evil with good. Romans 12.21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know that shooting in North Carolina? Tragic, tragic. Man, I'd have a hard time looking in his eyes though if he killed one of my family members. And man, that church, they were hurt. They were broken. But somehow, they still had that love of Christ and pleaded with the man, turn to Christ. He could give you hope. It's not going to get him out of jail. It's not going to make him escape the death penalty. But yet they still told him, you know what, Jesus is what you need. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. I pray I would be able to. I pray I don't have to go through that. You know what, there's a lot of broken eggs we have. When none of us prayed, let me break this egg. But sometimes that happens. We're in a sinful world. Man brought sin into this world. You and I sin in this world and it causes heartache. You know, sometimes people cause us heartache. But overcome evil that is done to you with good. You know what? Recognize God is sovereign. 
Recognize that he is who he is. That he is God. That he is the creator. That he is the sustainer of his creation. Romans 9.20, it says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing form say to him that form it? Why hast thou made me thus? Have not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? You know, let's picture yourself. You're a potter, okay? You're molding it. The pottery never yells back at you and says, don't make me a ball. Make me a glass instead. It never shouts back at you. It never complains to you. You're the potter. That's the clay you mold it. Well, you know what? In God's creation, he's the potter. We're the clay. And God will allow things in our life. God will sometimes bring things in our life. You know what? Sometimes there's heartaches from sin. You know what? He's allowing this world for a time being to go through the consequences of our sin. But let's not ever complain to God and say, God, why have you made me like this? Why did you allow this to happen to me? Well, we can't. You could do it, but you know it's not going to do any good. God is the potter, and we must recognize Him as sovereign. And when we understand He's sovereign, and there's a hardship that comes to our life, you know what? We're casting our care upon Him. You know what, God, I don't understand why I'm in prison for something I'm innocent for. But God, help me make chocolate chip cookies. Help me make the best of it. Help me make, the, make it sweet. How could I turn this around and help someone else? When we understand that God is sovereign, that God is God, it will help us have contentment. Help us have joy, thanksgiving. Help us overcome evil with, um, with good. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Cast your care upon Him. You know, we bear one another's burdens, but there's sometimes burdens, you know what? We can't even help you with. That your friends can't help you with. But God can. And that's where you need to cast your care on Him. Sometimes we say we are, but we're more we're just casting our care on like we're saying it. But in our mind, our heart, we're not really casting it on Him. We're dwelling on it. You know, it's seek God in prayer. You know, Philippians, again, to them, in 4, verse 6, says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which pass of all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Again, cast your care upon Him, praying to Him, having a spirit of thanksgiving, make your request made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, can be yours. You know, use your broken aid, whatever that may be. It could be people, some people may know about it. Maybe it's something you haven't shared with others. But use it for God's glory. How could you use it to point people to Christ? You know, Paul, again, in prison, locked up, 
bound with a chain. Got to have his own house, though. But he had a Roman guard with him at all times. Instead of moaning, instead of whining, instead of complaining, instead of feeling in despair, he made the best to the glory of God. He saw how he could use this for the furtherance of the gospel. He's telling the church that fell up high. You know what? Don't worry about me. Yes, I'm in bonds. But you know what's happened because of it? The furtherance of the gospel. And you know what? There's many others that are waxing bold. They're confident to preach the word because they've saw I've been willing to suffer peacefully. Even with all these trials, I'm willing to suffer and have peace and joy. And it's happened for the furtherance of the gospel. The Bible says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. You have a tragedy in your life. You know what? Cast it upon the Lord and ask God, how could you make the best of this? Let's not just throw our life away. Let's not just make eggs. Let's make cookies. Let's make chocolate cake. There's all kinds of things you could do with broken eggs. More than just chocolate chip cookies. In case you didn't like chocolate chip cookies, you can make other things. Okay? How you respond to your broken egg could influence people either positively or negatively. And which influence do you want to be? Do you want to be that negative influence or that positive one? Paul's broken egg influenced people positively. Many of the brethren, lasting confident by his bonds, were more bold to speak the word. All right. We've got a new egg drawn on it. All right. All right, I see Mount Rainier or some mountain, some pasture. So it looks like paradise, a cabin. Man, it's reminding me of, of our trip this week with my wife. Some trees, some clouds. Man, and that's a big marker I gave her. It wasn't a fine-tuned one. It's a big marker, but that's pretty good. That's like a perfect, is that a horse there too, running? Man, a beautiful Hey, you know, I don't know how you did that with such a thick marker. Yeah. And it's a nice mono, black and white picture. All right. I don't want you to break it, okay? But could you come here and make some chocolate chip cookies with it? Okay. Let's see. We're, we'll just use this bowl. And don't break it, though, okay? You need some of the other mitts. Yeah, we'll use some of this stuff. We'll pretend that egg's not in there. But make chocolate cookies, but do not break the egg. Okay? Go ahead. We're waiting. <laughs> you don't want to do it? Why don't you want to make it? It's too pretty to you? Hey, you're too proud of it? <laughs> All right. Go ahead and sit down then if you don't want to make chocolate cookies with that perfect, beautiful egg. You know what? An egg has to be broken before it could be used. No matter how you cook the egg, even if you just want eggs, maybe with some seasoning, it has to be broken to be used. Now, I guess you could use it just to be pretty. Just be, this is my perfect egg. Look how cute it is. But if you're going to use it to profit, it needs to be broken. 
And to see our life to be greatly used by God, there's times we need to be broken. Sometimes it's through trials. They draw us closer to God. But I just, I'm just mean, though, we need to be broken of our pride. We need to have humility. We need to allow ourselves to be broken, to be used. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resist of the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know what? That egg, if it's not going to be broken, it's going to be resisted. It's not going to make chocolate chip cookies. But when we are broken, when we are humbled, that, that, that is when we know how to fully and totally depend upon Christ. And you know what he told the Philippians? He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens in me. We can do all things through Christ. He's the one that, though we be weak, we are made strong for his glory. But when we are strong in our own eyes, God resists us. God is not going to use us the way we want to be used when we are stiff-necked, when we are full of pride. Things are not going to work out. And so a question you ask yourself is, you know what, are you being prideful or are you being useful? Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, elder and younger included, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If you're going to be used, if you want God to use you, if you want God to use you in your life, if you want God to use you in your marriage, you need to be willing to be broken, to be humble, to humble yourselves. And God will exalt you. God will lift you up. God will lift you. Paul said that, that he counted me faithful. He, was, he had humility to be faithful. That he was counted faithful, God enabled him, putting him into the ministry. Paul didn't go into ministry to try and be a lord over God's heritage. Oh, send me all your money and so I can be wealthy and I'll give you a positive talk. No, he humbled himself. He went and taught and preached people that hated him, despised him, that wanted to kill him. He wasn't going after go, hey, you know, I'm going to go to this crowd. They're going to give a good offering. No, he spent his life. He spent it and spent it. And he was humble. Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. In Proverbs 13.10, it says, Only by pride come of contention. You know, when we're being prideful in our life, there's contention with God. You know what? God wants to use us. But when we're being proud, God's going to resist us. There's going to be contention in our spirit. But with the well-advised is wisdom. You know, I just want you to go away today. You know, next time you see a broken egg, let it remind you of these two things. That one, if you're going to be used of God, if you're going to be used greatly, you need to come before Him broken with a contrite spirit. 
But God, I'm humble before you. You know what, Lord, use me. If that means I need to leave this job where I'm spending all my hours, all my time working, that my family's neglected, that the Lord's neglected, that the church is neglected, you know what? Be willing to be broken. Whatever it takes to be used of God. Being used of God is eternally rewarding. Where things of this life are temporary. So when you see that broken egg, what it reminds you to have humility. To be broken before the Lord. That He may use you. That He may make you into a chocolate chip cookie. And then I'll eat it. Okay? <laughs> but you let a broken egg remind you of humility. Secondly, you know what? You can't unbreak a broken egg. But when you're feeling broken, I'm not talking about your humility now. I'm talking about when something else breaks you. Or maybe there's a sin in your past that has broken you. Make the best use of it to give glory to God. Make chocolate chip cookies or chocolate cake or something else with chocolate or something else you enjoy. When we abide in Jesus, our joy is full. Norma, can you please come and go ahead and play for the altar call? You know, let's go ahead and stand for a time of invitation. You know, all heads bowed, eyes closed. You see, Paul was in bonds and broken, but he wasn't bewildered. Bewildered me. He wasn't shooken up. He wasn't in despair. But he used his life to be used of God. Now the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. May God use how you've been broken for the furtherance of the gospel. May it be used to help someone else. Make something sweet out of your broken life. We've all been broken one way or the other. Let's not throw it away. Let's not just get by either. Let's make something sweet of it. You know, I may not have the answer on how you're going to do that. You need to seek the Take this time to seek the Lord now. You could come to the altar and pray, or you could pray in your pew. Give God your broken eggs. Give it to Christ.
very quiet young lady, 12 years old, pretty shy. Uh, my, our daughter is very shy in basketball. She had to humble herself. She came forward to the altar to ask, Could you show me clarity? Could you show me how I could have eternal life? That's hard for someone shy to do. They're not having a pride in the sense of, like, oh, I'm all this. But it still takes humility to go forward to ask someone to show me. someone here, you know, you thought you were saved or, you know, it maybe um, you just, you feel like you'd be embarrassed if people found out you weren't saved and you'd like to make it sure now. Just humble yourself. Maybe there's ways God could use you in your life. Just be willing to be broken. Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, you help us to depend upon you, to be willing to humble ourselves before you, that you will, may use us. And Lord, you know, every one of us have had things, and you know what, maybe some people more severe things have broken them, almost destroyed them, but helped them not to throw their life away but to use it for your glory, to make something sweeter out of it than chocolate chip cookies, to use their life for your glory, for the furtherance of the gospel, for the furtherance of your glory. Just pray, Lord, that we'll be humble without you having to humble us, but that we'll willingly humble ourselves, and that when the hardships come, they break us. We will turn around and make the best use of it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.